I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Winners of the East London Challenge Cup soon after their formation in 1885. The old Millwall Rovers are now known to their roaring supporters as the last. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Hello, good evening, welcome to this week's edition of Actung Millwall. My name is, of course, Nick Hart. I'm sat sitting in the den on a warm and balmy Tuesday night. Sat next to Crazy Hall. Say hello to the listeners, Crazy Hall. Hello, listeners. You should know, really, shouldn't he? Um, here we are tonight for the Millwall versus Ipswich Town. Big game, they're all big this season, but this one's big. We're uh, one point out of a possible six in the opening two fixtures. Everyone, I'm walking down Verney Road saying that we need a win tonight, and I'll make them right. So tonight's team news for you, dear listeners. Jewel Nasser in goal, across the back line, McLaughlin, Meredith, uh, Byron Webster, Sean Hutchinson in the midfield, Sean Williams, Jill Saville. On the wings, Jed Wallace and Aidan O'Brien. Bit of mind games there from Neil Harris tonight. Aidan O'Brien was reputedly not taking part in tonight's proceedings, but he is in real life. Up front, the dynamic duo, Lee Gregory, Steve Morrison. Now we're just going to do a little check-in for tonight's show. I'm going to come back again later. Uh, Leonardo did the, the, the Caprio, Da Vinci sketch of tonight's game. We're going to check in. 22 minutes, half-time, 67, and full-time for you. You know the score by now, so we'll be back as the teams come on the pitch anyway. Then uh, we'll report in during the course of tonight's proceedings. Here come the teams. Pushing back and red tonight, lies in there for million blue and white. Mr. Piper now, replacement. Noting some, um, some disparaging comment online. Shocking. Being one word from Harry, the road is a bit biased um, against him, but yeah. Volume very loud. No need for it, Mr. Piper now. Sunny night, fluffy clouds, late evening sunshine, floodlights are on. Then at the moment it's probably about half full, I suppose. Good away turnout, hits the gym, both have three quarters of the away in. I've been many uh, lines, so it's still feeding in the ground. Just a 
quick word of praise for the match day programme. Just looking over Neil's shoulder there. A really nice insert, 1986. Uh, fixture versus Ipswich. Brief production of the programme in there. Really nice work, Mark Litchfield. I know you're listening. Uh, good work, Mark. Keep it going, mate. The uh, match day programme is a lot better. So Lawrence kicked us off, attacking the Ipswich end in the first half. Ipswich decked out like Manchester United. Red shirts and black shorts tonight. So we're going to check in later on in the half and we'll see how things are shaping up. It's shaping up very fucking well. Thank you very much. Oh, he's six, six seconds on the clock. Ball in the box, slammed home from close. Who got that one? No, who scored? I have no idea. I have no idea who scored. One new real wall. Let's have a look at it again. A little chip in the box from the left side break. Now, Brian, it falls to um, Jed Royce, I think. Who slammed it home on the volley? Nicely done, is having a chance to buy for the house replacement. Jed Wallace! One little Mill Wall! No! Um, 46 seconds to be precise. Cracking start by the Lions. Monkey off our back, let's hope so. Three minutes, Gotti. It's just equalised. The dipping shot from distance. It beats Jordan Archer in goal. I want to see it again. The ball seemed to swerve mid, mid flight. Uh, so they beat him on the inside almost. The most odd goal. Let's watch it again on the uh, replays. One each. All move breaks down midfield. There's a shot from. It looks like it took a deflection. He got a touch on it. Um, a Jordan Nasher moment. I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. No, one each. Three, four minutes on the clock. Yeah, you got to put that down to Williams. His bad ball out of defence though. I mean, okay. Jordan Nasher may well have been at fault there. I don't know. I would have to see it on. Uh, on YouTube, but there was a, the move broke down earlier than that. The poor pass out of defence by Sean Williams. So um, that that one is on him, in my opinion. Coming for the halfway point in the first half. Open game, entertaining game. Mill had a couple of good chances um, about ten minutes ago. Uh, slap shot from Aidan O'Brien went wide. Lee Greg released almost down the middle, but pulled up by the referee. Ipswich remain a dangerous threat. Um, a couple of sloppy passes out midfield by Sean Williams, obviously the one for the goal. Again, that moving also a moment ago, almost released him again on the break. But one all at a halfway point in the first half. Open game. Anyone's to, uh, to go and win yet. Uh, three minutes, two on the left switch, another error from midfield. Savile this time, unfortunately, giving the game away. Um, Ipswich break forwards, ball in the middle from the left hand side, slotted home from close, 2 1 Ipswich. Um, two errors have cost us, two goals, two errors. Can't do it at this level. And we keep doing it. 2 1 Ipswich. 34 minutes. Around slammed against the barbed wire, Savile over a kick by Brian. Hunter is under by the edge of the wall. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been an entertaining game, Neil. Ain't no Brian who weren't going to play tonight. Neil Harris is mind games. May 37 minutes, it's just passed the ball straight across our goal on the next attack. Um, it is open stuff, I'll tell you that much. Four goals in the half. Um, every time Ipswich coming forward at the moment, they're looking dangerous. Every time the Lions going forward, we're looking dangerous. Jesus Christ, to the stroke of half-time, 3-2 to Ipswich. Um, another error from midfield, Aidan O'Brien. 
this time. Uh, releases the ball, they break forwards. The ball's passed across our, our penalty area. Looked like it went out for a corner. Uh, slotted in from close range again. 3-2. Three, three errors, three goals. Can't do it at this level, dear listeners. Very frustrating having brought ourselves back into the game. Uh, but that said, we've looked open, we've looked bright going forward. So um, there's every reason to think that more goals can follow in the second half. We do need to cut out these mistakes. Releasing balls in midfield to give Lipswich the chance to break. They're good at it. There's half time. 3 2 to Ipswich. Um, I think I just said it all really. Uh, the Lions were going feeling very hard done by, but that said, we've given them goals, whereas we've carved out our own goals from our own efforts. I think it's probably uh, the best way to put it. Warbly performances in goal for me tonight for Jordan Archer <coughs> so far. Uh, midfield of each played their part in each of the, the three Ipswich goals. Just want to mention some fantastic physical work up front by Lee Gregory as well in that half. So there is the break. Mill two, Ipswich three. A few half-time tweets for you. This is Harry, Block 45 line. Says to me, CBL Magazine, I'm glad I called Archer's diminishing worth last Saturday. Andy Cole, not, not the Andy Cole, another Andy Cole, says, oh, for fuck's sake, Millwall. I know what you mean, Andy. Oliver Vice says, I knew that would happen, that last-minute goal there. John Kelly Post, that just must be just before the goal's got in, that um, an Ipswich journalist was saying Millwall bullying them. I think that it has been a battle in midfield. It's been scrappy on occasions, but we've certainly taken the game to them, which is why it's so frustrating to have conceded so... Uh, well, so, so many unnecessary goals, three unnecessary goals so far tonight. John Shippers, referring to Jordan Archer, says he's no, no better on a Tuesday night to when he comes on a Saturday. First midweek game in a while for John Shippers. Complete crisis of confidence, he says, for Jordan Archer. Neil's got it on his phone here, it's a shot. Deflection and it goes off of, off of Archer's flapping hands. Bianca fucking Westfield, just to cap it off there. You've got to put it down to Jordan Archer there. He's, he, he, had a, he had a hand on it, so um, there it is. One from Omar Renee here. Three mistakes, three fucking goals. Succinctly put Omar. Both teams out for the second half. No changes so far as I can see. Lions will be attacking the cold blow lane in second half. And away we go. Cover 60 minutes, uh, still 3-2 to Ipswich. Succession of middle corners in the last few minutes. Chance a few moments ago for, uh, or a few minutes ago rather, for Aidan O'Brien. Shot from the left-hand side, dipping, palm round by the goalkeeper. Um, going to stay with this corner, why not? Let's stay with it, it's dipped in into the middle. Um, across everybody. Chance for a shot from distance. That's over the bar there from uh, Morrison. Another corner. We'll be looking for a time for change soon, though. It's starting to look a little bit predictable and a little bit flat, so probably expect to see substitutions of some sort. I'm not sure who. Probably Ferguson on the wing, perhaps O'Brien. But actually not done too badly for me tonight, but that's probably the obvious move. I'd like to see Tom Elliott, see what he can do up front, get in, get in the mix, get back to bullying them. 67 minutes, still 3 turrets, switch. We're getting closed out of this game a little bit, dear listeners. Getting a little bit out on our thoughts here. Uh, not much for the crowd to cheer at the moment, and it's looking a little bit stale. So, as I said a few moments ago, time for a change, in my opinion. There's a break, though. There's Jeb Wallace down the right-hand side. It's straight into the first defender. All falls now to Savile. Joe Savile! Oh, it's a skinny shot. The goalkeeper's just got enough on it to stop it on the line. Would you believe it? 67 minutes. It was Archer's move of a fraction of a second more than the goalkeeper. Going the wrong way, but managed to put a... 
his, a hand on it and stop it on the line there. Very unlucky to Jules Saville. 73 minutes. It looks like it might be a triple substitution going on here. There's Elliot down there. There's Onya Dinma. And I think I saw Ferguson. So three-way substitution, we believe. Who's coming out? Meredith's coming out. The other two are going to remain on the, on the side for the moment. Coming in for Morrison up front. Very good run of course. Probably the right move. He's just starting to get a little bit over overpowered. Uh, he's put a lot into the game, Morrison. And Fred's coming in. Raven O'Brien. Last 15 minutes. Ten minutes to go. Den's blood is up. Club top scorer now, Tom Elliott, and Crazy Awesome have seen them all. One way or the other. Elliott just been booked there for a man handling his, his opponent to concede the free kick, but it, it was one they had to take for the scene, I think. The 18 standing over it. 87 minutes showing. In it comes. And Gooden. 4-3 from close range. To feel that coming. Oh. Yeah, I'll give you another mistake. I'll give you that, yeah, another error for another goal. And Archer, fuck off. I don't think you blame Jordan Archer for that goal. That was an uh, angled ball where he was defensively not dealt with. I don't think he had much chance with a header. Referee reporting something down there to the fourth official. I don't know what. Something thrown over there. I don't know. A long conversation on the sidelines. I'm not sure what that was all about. Very frustrating, nice football, dear listeners. We've um, clawed our way back into it three times and conceded mistakes and errors on four occasions to give the game away, effectively. Um, we can't do that at this level. Huge ball launched forward late in the game there, bouncing around at the end there. That's going to go for a corner, is it? No, it's clear. Um, we're at too high level to make errors like that. You can do it in League One, can't do it in the Championship, I'm afraid. On the positive side, we've looked bright going forwards. We've um, created chances. And um, certainly the arrival of Tom Elliott late in the game is also another uh, element that's um, his final whistle. More free entrance for Tom Elliott, I thought, brought a little bit of um, fire into the, into the mix. But there it is. Frustrating evening to uh, football. Achtung, Milbal. Some post-match tweets for you, dear listeners. Danger steps for Reese Mogg says we must learn quickly from the salutary lesson of that first half. Three mistakes, three goals. You don't get that in League One. I make you right, Ganja Step. Um, three, you know, giveaway goals, really. And you cannot do that at this level. That's That, that, that much is, is true. Bermondsey Boy says we're only three games into the season and asks for time for Archer. He says Archer deserves more time. I once went five games into the season before dumping an ex-girlfriend, he says. You wag, Bermondsey Boy, you wag. 
Steve Evans says we're learning rather quickly just how unforgiving this league is. Sleeves up, lads. It's going to be a long season. Thank you right there, Stevie. Um, Omar O'Neill, biggest injustice will be if Elliot doesn't start on Saturday at Bristol. The geezer can pluck a ball down under pressure every single time. Top play gave everything that last 13 minutes and made a difference. I do agree with you, Omar. Paul Regan says, sorry, but King, Cooper and Elliot have to start next week. May upset a few, but Gregory says Paul is League One. Don't agree with you there, Paul. I thought he did well tonight, put a lot in and made a lot of decent runs. But uh, Jordan Archer, Paul's going to send him to Welling. Well, that cunt's got to go to Welling, as Paul puts it. Speaking to John Kelly, Neil Harris says it was an unacceptable performance. We've given them four goals. I think you're right there, Neil. We have given them four goals. We've done well to get three goals, in my opinion, but you can't go away giving away four. And then he goes on. Neil Harris says it was a horrendous effort by the goalkeeper. But we gave the ball away cheap, I presume he means, for the, for the opening goal with that. Um, harsh words there from Neil Harris. And finally, the man in block 11. We always need a bit of um, man of block 11's um, qualities here. He says, just a quick reminder for people who are hitting the panic button, the mill panic button, very special type of panic button, that is. Uh, it's only August the 15th, so three games in. Make you right, man in block 11. I think we've played well. Um, we can't keep on being unlucky and losing. Uh, more ruthlessness is required, but you're right. We have we've done enough going forwards to um, make us uh, at least give some kind of hope that we can hold our own in this division. So we're going to close out that tonight's coverage of the um, Ipswich game, Ipswich, uh, Mill Three, Ipswich Four, and after these messages, these messages will be back at Bristol Ashton Gate. Achtung, Mailball. So welcome back after the break, dear listeners. Welcome to, at the moment, a very quiet Ashton Gate, Bristol. Beautiful, um, cloudy skies, but um, bright day, warmish day now. It was a bit chilly earlier on for the visit of the Lions to Bristol City. Big stadium, big big stand on the right-hand side. We're in the um, away end, but at Yo end, I think it's called. But the right-hand side is a huge stand called the Lansdowne end. Kind of like a wraparound home end and side stand. Uh, this one seems to stand alone the away end. Um, but no, nice stadium. Today's team news, bizarrely for some, um, unsurprisingly for others, that Jordan Archer retains his place in goal. In fact, his unchanged side from Tuesday night's 3-4 defeat at home to, to Ipswich. Some might say that's um, Harris showing faith with his, with his players, um, and there's an argument for that. Others will be saying it's the uh, definition of madness by Albert Einstein, which is, of course, to repeat the same action over and over again, expecting a different outcome. That may be harsh on Jordan Archer. I actually do rate as a, as a top-level goalkeeper. Um, he's, he's had a crisis of confidence lately, made mistakes and errors that led to goals on, um, on, on Tuesday night, as indeed did um, the team, the midfield predominantly. So um, whether he's entirely to blame for that, I, I don't know. I'll leave you to be the judge of it. As ever in football, ever, there's a chance to put right the, um, the multitude of shots. Was it 20-odd shots we had on Tuesday night? Only um, three of which went into the net. I did read uh, a stat on, online that the Lions have got the highest number of shots in the league, in the division. Uh, much good that is if you're not winning games. Ipswich, by contrast, had four shots on target and four goals on Tuesday night, all of which were gifts one way or the other. Very frustrating night, as you have just heard. Now, some will say every game's tough in this championship, this Premier League light uh, and so it is true this is, feels like a tough game today though dear listeners um, Millwall obviously coming in with one point out of a possible nine 
uh, really desperate for a victory, and this is a hard place to come to to try and gain said victory. But as I say in baseball, this is the big leagues, baby, and this is what we've got to contend with. Tom Elliott warming up in front of me. I'm set behind the goal in uh, Ashton Gate. Uh, Tom Elliott warming up with Fred in front of me. He'll feel particularly hard done by, by not, uh, not starting today. And honestly, I thought he did enough on Tuesday night. It made a difference when he did come into the game. I described it at a moment with frenzy as the new fashion. He certainly does have that um, physicality, that, uh, that strength on the ball. And he, he looks like he knows where the goal is. So um, he will feel himself unlucky. I suppose he's got to get ahead of Steve Morrison, which is always going to be a big ask. But he will feel himself to be hard done by, dear listeners. I'm sure you agree. Strangely, I was just listening in the car to an audiobook on the D-Day landings, and there's a quote in there from General George S. Patton, the great American general of the Second World War, um, who had thought disparagingly somewhat of uh, Eisenhower, who, for him, tried too hard to make friends with the men. Um, Patton took the view that he did not try and make friends with the men. You took command of them, which did not necessarily include friendship. Um, I wonder how... Neil Harris is coping with that pattern principle. It's um, obviously uh, we can't carry on as we are, dominating games, pounding shots in, winning the highest shot in the division uh, league, for which there is absolutely no prize whatsoever. At some point, changes will have to have to come. So um, let's see how today's proceedings unfold. Much hilarity has just ensued. A long shot from the halfway line towards goal by Tom Elliott in the warm-up. Just hit one of the stewards, bang on the head. Uh, uh, I don't know if he's a follower of Jar Rust the far right, but he's got that kind of haircut. Um, hit him right on the head when he was least expecting. It must have come as a shock, but everyone's laughing at you, which can't help your calls any, can it? It's, it's discomforting. It's, it's undignified. It's undignified, dear listeners. It was really online. Some 1,200 tickets sold for the travelling support up here in Bristol, or down here, sideways here in Bristol here today, so that's another good turnout for the Lions. Now, we're not going to do our usual stream of consciousness coverage. We're going to check in in little sketches, little cameos, no less, during the course of today's game. So apologies if you like my uh, waffling or if you don't, but you'll get a little bit of it one way or the other. But we're going to check in at kickoff and at various points during the course of the game in the aftermath of the action. So I hope that's OK with you. Um, if not, it's a full money-back guarantee. Just apply to the address given at the end of this podcast and get a complete and utter refund of everything you've spent on the show. Be back later on, dear listeners. Achtung, Mehlball. When it comes to two teams, I've got to say it's rather a flat atmosphere from the Bristol sides. Not from the Millwall end, however. 1,200 Millwall, worth um, 20,000 of Bristol. Here come the two teams. Lions decked out in white and blue, white shirts, blue shorts. Bristol in their red and white tradition. Lions on change from Susan Lewis, it's going to be Archer in golf, just the back line with Webster, Hutchinson, either side McLaughlin and Meredith. Midfield will be Savile Williams, Jed Wallace, Ferguson on the wing. Up front, Gregory and Morrison. Sorry, Scrub, Ferguson, Aidan O'Brien's in. Aidan O'Brien, sorry. Excuse me, I'm unprepared. High levels of professionalism in this show, as you would expect, dear listeners. Beautiful sunny day, pitch looks like a billiard table out there. Fantastic uh, stadium, all set for a good afternoon's football. Hopefully we can get a result. So there we go, Lions going to be attacking the uh, Bristol home end in the first half. Not sure what it ends for, the side stand, Lansdowne stand, big one, is about half full, I would say. Home end looks reasonably full, just short of a full house. And the same on the side home stand, probably about three quarters full there. So I'm not sure what size crowd. It's a 27,000 seat stadium. 
and 1200mm all here of course. So um, probably 20,000 plus I'd say. Crossing that's going to go for a corner. Quite start of the lines to begin. Trying to think the last time I saw a quick goal like that on Tuesday. Can't think of it off the top of my head. 40 seconds. It's certainly straight up and atom here today, dear listeners. Atom man, up and atom, atom man. That's a cartoon for you younger listeners from out of the Ark. Noah's Ark was showing atom man. Fantastic by McG uh, tackle by McLaughlin on 16 and a half minutes there, preventing a break on the um, the left side as Bristol attack. It's gone for a Bristol City corner. Great tackle there. 18 minutes gone. Lions maintain their direct style into what I believe are called the channels in football parlance. Good support from the travelling away fans. Ball into the mix. That's hoofed clear by the Bristol defence. Halfway through the first half, 22 minutes. Um, <laughs> long throw in. I'll just stay with this. A little back heel by Morrison. It's bounced and cleared. A huge clearance there. Um, story of the season. A lot of pressure, a lot of shots. Nothing focused, nothing on target. A lot of mill pressure, but when Bristol have come forwards, they've given you the edge of panic. 22 minutes. Ball breaks now for Morrison, just outside the Bristol penalty. He makes a run into the box, and so he's going to get cut out by a defender. Little moment there, little moment of ball breakdown. Fault fell to Morrison. He probably didn't have enough space and was closed out quite rapidly by the Bristol defenders. 26 and a half minutes. Great attacking run by Jed Wallace. Come up towards the 40th minute down the right-hand side, wins a corner. Beautiful run, cross into the mix, um, put behind for a corner by the Bristol City defence. So another chance for the Lions to get the ball into the middle. It's going to be floated, I think that's Williams taking, it's into the mix. From under the bar there, looks like it's been put behind for another corner. This one on the left. The 43rd minute, 42 and a half to be precise. A lot of passing around from Bristol. The usual story, where the Lions get it, we're directing straight out at them. They like to pass the ball around the middle and work their, their space and their chances. That's gone all the way back to defence. Lions have dealt with it pretty well in this half overall. But as ever, we've had shot upon shot, corner upon corner, with no end result for us. And um, you can see how these games get away from us at times. Ball into the, bit, into the box there. Relieved by the middle defence. 43 minutes now. This is Morrison on the right-hand side. The ball's into the box early. Gregory was in there, couldn't quite get on the end of it. So it's gone for a corner. Under attention from the Bristol defender, clearly. So yet another left-sided corner. I don't know what the statistics are, dear listeners. By the time you hear this, you'll have had to look it up on the BBC website. But we seem to have had a huge amount of corners and a huge amount of off-target shots in this 43 and a half minutes. So in from the left now, from Williams. That's across the face of the goal. Another corner, Millwall, right-hand side corner. Coming up for 44 minutes now. A fantastic time to make all this pressure pay just on the stroke of half-time. Can we do it? Need a pair of binoculars, far, far away. I'm sitting fairly low down behind the goal. Anyway, it's floated into the middle near post. That's cleared easily enough. Here come Bristol. Nice work by McLaughlin again. Free kick. The nine takes a shot on goal, puts it wide. McLaughlin's done very well for me this half. My man of the, man of the half, Colin McLaughlin. We've got some pushing something out there. Hutchinson's working it. All it was. Wallace is working it, making it. He's been um, thrown, smacked in the mouth. 
Let's go, that's what we're going to do here. Hands were raised. Crowd brought him off. Morrison getting involved in a bit of a push and shove over there now. Referee's not shaping up to send him off. He's having a word of him at some length. He don't want to send him off. He's going to give him a yellow. To the um, displeasure of the middle crowd. As you can hear. Bottle job. The incident itself was minor. Hands were certainly raised. Um, was it Wallace? I, I couldn't tell you. It was um, making as if he'd been hit in the mouth. I don't think he was. Which is not something I approve of. Trying to draw fellow professionals into trouble. I mean, it's the referee's job. It's not what I want to see. Certainly not from Mill player. So I disapprove of that. In the end, the referee probably dealt with it correctly with a yellow. Though, uh, those around me won't agree with that. Now we're into injury time. Can't tell you how much injury time we got because I didn't hear an announcement in all that uh, kerfuffle. Lions got to stay switched on here. We don't want to be conceding this close to half-time. Ball breaks. Bristol down the left-hand side. Across the face of the box. The nine was inches from putting that in, the, in front of us. In front of the middle fans, he was inches from sticking that in the net as the ball raced across our six-yard box. We catch a break. We dodge a bullet. That's what the Lions fans think of him. He was actually um, very, very close to sticking the Bristol City 1-0 up there, dear listeners. Probably the closest chance for either side of the half, despite an endless amount of pressure from us. We've not really carved out anything clear-cut. There's the half-time breaks, 0-0. Story of the half is the story of the season so far. Lot of Lions pressure, no end results. How many times you heard that? Team's back out for the second half. Lions will be attacking ourselves in the away end, the John at Yo end. No changes, so far as I can tell so far, anyway. So it'll be the, uh, the team that finished the first half. Um, we do need to start connecting some of these chances. We do need to start executing some of these uh, moves and making this pressure count. How long will Harris give it before we see the introduction of Tom Elliott and Fred on the dimmer? I'd probably only give it about 10-15 minutes or so. Now, Bristol kick us off attacking the far home end. Early move for Bristol. Shot on goal from distance. That's palmed round the left-hand post. Shot outside of the edge of the penalty area from the, uh, the 14. Lions just losing our midfield slightly. We're not pressing quite as much with as much urgency in the start of the second half. This is Bristol now. Come down the left side. There's going to be another corner for Bristol City. Um, we need to raise our game slightly. If we're at our best it with this style, it's energetic across the midfield and we just seem to have started the second half with a little bit of a lull. Anyway, it's going to be a corner on the left-hand side as we look from this, this middle end. Lumped into the middle, taken by Jordan Archer, comfortably enough. And fantastic physical work by Lee Gregory in the halfway line, drawing the free kick. What he may lack in, for, in um, terms of execution in front of goal this season so far at least, he's more than made up for in the work rate that he puts in. I know he's not there for work rate. I know he's there to score goals. I can only tell it like I see it, dear listeners. Gregory now in front of goal. Can he get a, a chance? Runs wide. Savile shot. Falls to Gregory. Wallace. Gregory. Oh! Bobbly around in front of goal. Best opportunity for the Lions at a half. No clear shot on goal. But a number of opportunities to get something on the end of it. it close, close, close. Just on the break forwards here, little foray. She's at the crossbar from distance. 
Ball still bouncing around the far end. We've got a three, but on a little dribbly run. Got a shot in of, of sorts and hit the crossbar. Hard to tell you much more from the distance that I'm at, dear listeners. It didn't go in, that's all you need to know. 73 minutes looms. Ball breaks down midfield from Millwall. Wallace coming down the right-hand side now. Morrison's free, if can find him. Cut inside the, the penalty area. Wasteful by Wallace. Oh, the move breaks down. Waste of a chance there. Waste of a chance. 73 minutes. Well, I think the crowd are going to get their wish. So a minute now stripped off on the sidelines. So it's going to come in. I would imagine Morrison. I would imagine. Oh, sorry, Gregory's coming out. And one, two. This is Elliot. Coming down the, uh, the left. Into the box. All across the box. Just behind the oncoming Wallace. Wallace is leaving the game, who's just coming in? Ferguson's coming in. So he's coming in to take the free kick. 81 minutes on the on the scoreboard. It's dinked in. Far post. Oh, off the line there from Elliot. Far post. The six has gone down and stayed down. As ever, you're going to hit him, hurt him. And you know him by the stream of bodies in his wake. Since Elliot's come into the game now, 87 minutes, only three minutes to the game to go. But we just seem to introduce an element. There's a shot from distance from Elliot. That's Miles once, almost hit the corner flag on the volley. But he's introduced an element of uncertainty into the Bristol defence now. That suddenly the, the, the route one is, is a real threat with um, his size up front. And, and he's actually working reasonably well with, with Morrison for me. Certainly looks a lot more dangerous and, and direct than um, sadly with, with, with Gregory today. Gregory's done a lot of work off the ball, but not anything for me in front of goal, which is his role and purpose in life, isn't it? Bristol fans starting to drift off, 88 minutes, making for the Bristol bus system to go home, no doubt. Still a few minutes to go, I've never really understood people that leave games early. It's 0-0, game's still in the balance. Chance of getting the bus seat must be some, some prize in Bristol. Huge ball over the top towards Fred, if he can take it. He's under pressure on the seven, he can't beat his man there, he lays it back, it's his seven. A cross into the box would be good. This is Fred now on the left-hand side. Fred takes his man on. Somehow finishing up. Shot on goal. Seven. Shot on target. Blocked on the line. There is full time. Nil-nil at Bristol City. Um, a fair result, I think, overall. Huge amount of Lions pressure. Um, some late excitement in the game. The introduction of Tom Elliott made a big, big difference in terms of danger in front of goal. Morrison's coming down to take the applause. Of, of the uh, the away fans, um, a bit for the average game for, for Morrison, I think. Um, stand up, last week, McLaughlin. I like today. I like Savile in midfield, um, up front. Gregory did a lot of work without any great execution. Uh, Morrison was Morrison, and a better game in defence for Jordan Archer. So nil nil, second point of the season for the Lions. Still was finding trouble scoring the goals. But here we are. We're going to close out from Bristol. Huge welcome on the show to our travelling correspondent, Omar Ronane. Welcome to the show, Omar. Hi, Nick. How are you doing, mate? 
I'm good, mate, but we, we were just speaking off air there, and I'm sure the listeners will be agreeing with us. It's starting to get into the kind of uh, groundhog day. Every game, we're playing well, we're doing the uh, doing the right things, but we're still not really getting our rewards as yet. I thought yesterday was a strong performance, but same old, same old, not taking our chances. Yeah, I, I can totally agree with that. I think yesterday was, again, another solid away performance. I mean, we got a point on the board, a clean sheet, so try and take positives from that, obviously. Yep. But yeah, it's, like I said earlier, it's got to kind of feel the broken record at the moment. Two points from a possible 12, isn't it? It's, it's not... Um, I suppose we, we should be more concerned if, if our style of play was looking out of its depth, which, in all honesty, Omar, I don't know where you stand, but I, I, I feel we're looking like we are very much part and parcel of this division. We're not looking out of our depth at all. Um, we, we've, we've kind of polished the direct style of last season, haven't we? I mean, it's still very much played forward early and, and hard. Um, just need a little bit more luck in front of goal, I think. Uh, it's just not quite working for us. Yeah, I mean, whilst I was watching the game yesterday, kind of, I was thinking to myself, it's playing out sort of, you've got Bristol City. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're trying to pass it around, dominate the ball as you seem to get for every team in the championship at the moment. And then obviously you've got ourselves, like, we don't try and play through the middle. We've kind of played the old-fashioned way, so to speak, use our wide areas and seem to be quite effective with it. Obviously, effective means you should be scoring goals at the end of it, and but we're creating the chances and... You've got to think it's only a matter of time. I mean, 16 corners, I think we had yesterday when well, I saw the stats. So, I mean, it's in the right direction. I think we've polished this sort of the new signs we've made. I mean, George Savile for me was outstanding again yeah, yesterday. I'd agree I think with it. Yeah. He's, an, he's a proper midfielder for this level as well. And I think you get the same out of him every single week at the moment. And maybe that's something you might not have got out of him when he was two or three years ago when he was on loan with us. But he seems to have matured into a really, really good footballer. I mean, the midfield question is one of the things I wanted to, to ask you about because. Um, yes, these midfields have been the same pretty much, barring the um, you know uh, the, the league cup, I think. But it's Williams and um, and Savile. Savile look, it looks undroppable. I don't, I don't, can't see any reason to to leave him out. It's going to be interesting once Tunnicliffe, um is fit. He was on the bench yesterday. Didn't see him. Um, I suppose he's going to get a run out midweek in in the in the uh, Carabao Cup or whatever it's called. But 
Williams at times, I mean, made errors and mistakes on Tuesday, which released players for goals. Um, he has this languid style, Omer, doesn't he? And I'm just wondering whether Tunnicliffe will be challenging him sooner rather than later for that second midfield spot, because I make you right about Savile. He does look the part. Yeah, I mean, quite possibly it could be like something to keep Williams on his toes. I think the two together seem to, even though they're both left-footed and kind of play similar styles, they do seem to complement each other and in general seem to do all right in the four games we've had. I mean, if we've created chances and seem to have won most of the battles across the pitch, then we're doing something right in the middle of the park. But I agree with you with Williams. I think there's a couple of times where you're thinking it's like a bit sloppy on the ball, maybe a couple of times yesterday, um, getting caught out. But I think in general, I think he's had he's played well. And so is Sav, obviously, like I mentioned. So it'll be interesting to see, obviously, with Tunnicliffe. I think he's a bit more direct on the ball and kind of a more kind of Ben Thompson, maybe polished up a little bit more, obviously, for this level. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep kind of Williams on his toes. I mean, our style of play um, is direct, you're, you're right. It also depends on what what we used to call a pressing game. Everyone is expected to be tackling and, and harrying the opposition on the ball from the front backwards. Um, and the only time I, th- I feel that um, we don't look so so strong is as soon as that, 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 that tempo drops. You know, the, the, it depends on, on um, maximum 100% effort. And there were a couple of moments yesterday, I think I commented on my little live piece early in the second half where we were just looking a little bit um, second best at times in midfield early on in the half, though that changed. But as soon as that tempo drops, we, we can be pulled apart. So it's... It's you know it's, it, the, the the effort is is needs to be at the max throughout the whole ninety minutes, doesn't it? From midfield, yeah, definitely. I think um there's an element of obviously sitting deep and kind of waiting for the team to come onto you. But as soon as they cross that halfway line, you kind of need to just don't let them sit in, into their rhythm sort of thing. And I think a couple of times I agree with you where you do think like Bristol City might be creating something here. But in the end, obviously we kind of came out the dominant force in the game. But there was a couple of times where you think to yourself, if we give them time to settle and pass it about in the midfield, it could kind of obviously easily be our downfall but I, I agree with you to an extent but maybe we do need that maybe that more kind of mobile midfielder maybe to kind of harry the opposition yeah um, <clears throat> I mean the possession stats yesterday sit basically 60-40 59-41 in favour of Bristol it was a bit closer I think on Tuesday night of the, the Ipswich um, again the shot count is quite something really isn't it uh, I'm only 14 shots off target um, to their 10 Um Three, three on target. I mean, at some point, we've got to start to um, execute the, this pressure and this these these chances, um, which leads me on to the Lee Gregory and Tom Elliott question. I, I felt, and I'm interested to hear what you felt, but as soon as Elliott came into the game yesterday, which was late, 70-odd minutes, 77 minutes, um, we started to look a lot more dangerous in front of goal. There was an edge of danger about, wasn't there? Yeah, I think um, just even like it's not necessarily how Elliot would come on and perform. It's just bringing on a player like that with 25 minutes to go. He just causes havoc, and it kind of worries the defenders. They they're kind of panicking on the ball a bit more, kind of worried what the presence of Elliot can bring. Obviously, in set pieces, he kind of takes care of himself, and obviously he wins pretty much everything in the air. So he does yeah. absolutely everything. I mean, he can chest it down as well. I think on Tuesday night, obviously when he came on against Ipswich, he done pretty well as well. Obviously getting a goal. I was, I mean, I can see the loyalty. I think obviously the main talking point is that they made no changes after conceding four obviously in midweek but the loyalty between the Harris has got for Morrison and Gregory rightly so after obviously what they've done the last couple of years yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. if you're Tom Elliott you're thinking how long, how much longer do I have to wait before I get my first start in the league well I mean this is it I mean the start question I mean Elliott came in for Gregory which surprised me slightly I suppose the obvious um, substitution would have been for Steve Morrison but actually as a, as, a, as a front two Morrison and Elliott if it can be made to work 
that's a fearsome looking front line there, Omer. I mean, both. I mean, you've got the the guile and the nous of Steve Morrison. Uh, and in all fairness to Elliot, he's not he's not an unskillful player, but he's also got a physicality that would frighten the life out of many defences in that league. It can't be far away that Elliot starts because Gregory is not taking his chances. Sadly. Definitely. I think what surprised me yesterday was obviously he took Gregory off instead of Morrison. And obviously yeah. you'd think maybe it'd be like for like and take Morrison off and put Elliot on like you mentioned. But I think what was the first thing Elliot done was he kind of went around sort of like a Gregory run and was through on goal kind of on the left-hand side where he's like making a run like a Gregory would. So he has got that, even though he's the target man, so to speak, he is quite you know, willing to run in behind and obviously cause havoc. And I think you're definitely right. I think if you're Elliot, you're thinking how much longer do you have to wait to start? And rightly so. Hit the post late, of course. I, I missed it in real time. I'm, I read afterwards it, it, that his head had down, I thought it had been saved. It, it, it had come off the the kind of outside skin of the post, um, which was which is unlucky. I mean, earlier on, Bristol had also hit the crossbar with a long-range shot. Um, we we looked pretty secure. There was no more flapping about in in by Jordan Archer in goal. It was a pretty secure game, defensively speaking. Um, I still think I'd like to see Jake Cooper in that defense defensive line there, Omer. Um, we it, it just brings a certain calmness, which at times we we looked a little panicky at, at, at moments yesterday. Um, would you would you be playing Cooper, mate, or would you would you keep it as it is? Um, I think the best defensive display we've had so far was, I think, first game of the season where we had Cooper and Webster. Not Cooper Forrest. and Webster, Cooper and, yeah, Hutchinson, yeah. yeah, Cooper and Hutchinson. I think Cooper just kind of brings that bit of balance to the back four because obviously he's naturally left-footed and it kind of plays that way where you have one left-footed centre-half and one right-footed centre-half that kind of just, you know, they kind of carry each other in the games. And I think Cooper obviously obviously brings high advantage as well and a bit of know-how for the league as well, for being at Reading previously. I think I personally would have liked to have seen Hutchinson and... Um, um, Cooper, but like I said, I think Harris is kind of being loyal to the players that got us in the situation we're in now and try and get them to play out of it. And yesterday, I didn't think it was too bad defensively. I think McLaughlin had a good game at right back as he well. Did. Yeah, yeah, he stood out for me. Yeah. He had a tricky winger, I think, that Patterson on the left hand side and seems to deal well with him. And so, same with Meredith. So, I mean, it's credit to both Meredith and McLaughlin, new signings coming in, settling in as quickly as they have. Well, they both look very comfortable players. I, I, uh, McLaughlin was my standout yesterday. Um, just he just looked. He made a couple of critical tackles. I think there was one in the first half. I remember commenting on, and he just looked the part. Um, it was a quieter game for Meredith, but I, I do like the look of uh, James Meredith. He's got he's got pace and he's got um, again know how for this this league. Um, Webster didn't do badly. I mean, it might sound to listeners I'm I'm criticising, but I, I I don't mean to. I just think that Cooper it gives you the the defensive qualities, Omar, and also even when we're going forwards at set pieces, his height is is a threat. And given that we're searching for goals, you know, they've got to start coming from somewhere. I just think Jake Cooper in the box is a slightly more dangerous prospect than perhaps what Byron Webster has been. Definitely, and I think if you imagine if you had Elliot and Cooper on the pitch at the same time, 16 corners, I think we had 11 in the first half. I mean, it was kind of begging for bringing on a bit of height, and it, it does beg the question of thinking 16 corners, I don't really... Obviously, you had one, I think, where we hit the post. I don't know if that came from a corner, but I, you kind of think 16 corners, and we didn't really take any advantage from them kind of set pieces. No, the quality of the crossing was was, was a point of um, comment for me yesterday, because... Too too often we weren't beating the first man, and there's been a couple of uh, moments during the course of the season where we're saying the same thing. I think the when Ferguson came in, I mean he's, he's a decent cross of the ball. Um, I just think that we we just need to start to improve on that because chances will flow once balls are flying around the opposition penalty area. I just thought we fell a little bit short yesterday at, at times on the wings. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think even like I said from the set pieces, it was just it was a little bit flat kind of creativity wise, I think. But obviously we're asking the players the same kind of players to play Tuesday and then Saturday. I don't know if you, how you think about that. But I mean it's just the players did look a little bit kind of you know, lacking the creativity yesterday towards the end of the game. Yeah, I mean obviously the they're all, they're all big games, aren't they? I mean, you know, every game. Yesterday, going down to Bristol City, this is a big, big stadium. It's a, it's a big club, big city. Um, these are, you know, it, it gives you a... We're not in League One anymore, Omar, are we? These are... Every game you're going into it thinking, well, we've got a tough job on here. This is a bit of a, a must-win situation, or at least not get beaten. Um, and again, now we're looking at Norwich City next week, aren't we, at home? Um, another decent-sized club. It's... This is this is the point of being in this bracket, but it's um, it asks a lot of questions of players. There's no room for errors, and there's no room for passengers at this level. Yeah, and that's what seems to be the case. Obviously, in our first few games, mistakes and conceding goals at the end of it every single time it seemed. But um, yeah, I think yesterday was definitely a step in the right direction defensively wise. I don't think Bristol City created too much considering the hype. They scored quite a few goals in their first few games, and we kind of kept them quiet. And I think. We can take confidence from that. There was a bit of scepticism going to the game, thinking they've got a decent strike force. The strikers yeah, worth yeah. five million pounds, and but I think that striker just got agitated towards the end of the game anyway. And I think we've done a job on them. Just obviously we didn't score that goal to win away from home. They didn't look that dangerous. <clears throat> they didn't look that dangerous for me. Um, there's always a slight sense whenever the team are coming at you from behind the goal, you think you're going to concede. But they didn't look like they they were five million pounds worth of dangerous. Let's put it that way. Um, I think we we our game improved by the elimination of of errors. Really, I mean, I know it's a, probably a pretty of a trite point, but um, if you cut the mistakes out, because four goals conceded on Tuesday night, Omer, were all basically from errors by by you know one method or another. Cut the mistakes out. You're gonna you're gonna keep it tight, aren't you? And that that's really um, the story of the game yesterday for me. Yeah, and I think um, even throwing back to when we had Kenny Jacket in charge, would be the one nil or the nil nils away from home. But if you just obviously try and play defensively solid and try and take your chances, then you're going in the right direction, obviously. And I think yesterday it was just missing that final quality. And if ironically, we had the final quality on Tuesday, but we can see the four goals. So now it's just trying to find the balance. And I think yesterday we was almost there, just missing that final bit of quality. Softer words from Neil Harris yesterday. I mean, he really ripped into the team on, on in the aftermath of Tuesday. I think as he was speaking to the news at Den, he said he, said he spoke in the... I was frustrated. I can't remember where he puts it now, but he certainly spoke in, you know, in anger at, um, at avoidable errors on on Tuesday night. So, um, what's your what's your take on Neil? I mean, it's it's a learning experience for for Neil Harris at the moment, isn't it? Every game is a is a new challenge. I I think he's rising to the challenge. I mean, we've not looked, we've we've not not looking in danger of a real thumping so far, have we? No, and we're not looking out of place in the division either. So, it's, it's, I think with the signings we've made, like he's brought in some really like technically good players, and they seem to complement the way he obviously wants us to sell up and play week in week out, which is ideal, obviously as a manager for him to have. Absolutely. But um, I think yeah, it was interesting that he obviously ripped into the team on Tuesday night, but then kept the same eleven for yesterday, kind of going, well, here's your second chance, and I think. You can get cross between loyalty and whether or not, because I think there was a lot of pressure to drop Archer yesterday from a fan's point of view. And obviously he kept Archer in the goal, trying to obviously boost confidence. And the same throughout the rest of the team, conceding four goals midweek, but playing the same 11 on the Saturday. If you need a confidence boost from your manager, you're certainly getting it there. I mean, it's worth saying, I mean, you were there, I was there yesterday. It was a good reception for Jordan Archer when he came to the mill end. There was no silly calls. There was no, um, you know, you don't you know the arsey comments that you sometimes get um from Millwall fans at times, he got a good reception, and I was I was pleased to see that. I think he deserves yeah, it. 
I think we always have a back iron girl goalkeepers, and I think it's obviously it's a bit of kind of sense of he helped us obviously get promoted last season maybe was a bit flat compared to the season before but you, you can see there is still a good keeper in there potentially and it's you need to back one of your own players and I think yesterday I think even Archer would probably appreciate the reception he got when he was coming towards the way and it was definitely if you need a confidence boost he certainly got it there I always think the, the travelling support is a bit more hardcore and it's what I call real Millwall as well and it was good to see that I mean he's got 6.3 on the um, news at Den's um Play ratings. I think I'll probably go with it. He wasn't required to do <clears throat> anything outstanding yesterday, um, but he didn't make any errors and didn't make any mistakes. So a six out of ten for me for Archer yesterday. Would would you go with it with a six? Yeah, I mean, moment? yeah. When he was called upon, like to try and claim obviously a few few balls into the box, he seemed to be solid enough and done what was asked for him and didn't really have much to do saving shots wise. And yeah, it was solid enough for the game. I mean, the entire defence: uh, Hutchinson, Webster, Meredith, and uh, McLaughlin are all uh, on 7.2s on, on the news at Den. I don't know, there must be some, uh, probably a, lim- a limited number of voters on the, on, on the, on the, for the away games, I guess. But, I mean, they, they all did okay. The, the defence, I would have a 7. I would probably go more for a 6, really. They did a job. They didn't really um, perform out of their skins, particularly. McLaughlin would be my standout. I'd be the 7, I suppose, of the, of the group there. Yeah, I think McClucker was definitely, yeah. So I think, like I said, he had a tricky winger he's going up against. And there was a couple of times where he was going down the line and managed to defend it out beautifully and obviously last ditch tackles as you mentioned so yeah I'd definitely go with McLaughlin with a 7 and the rest with a 6 I mean the, mid- the midfield Savile's a star man um, 7.9 I, I would have gone with an 8 for him yesterday I thought it was a real strong midfield performance we're starting to expect him out of George Savile now Omar yeah and I, like I said if he keeps doing him week in week out I'm more may it continue and I think he's my early shout player of the season I put on Twitter yesterday after a few beers on the way on the way home but yeah. I think I, I think he's he is a quality player and you, you have to think I don't think we've spent much on him to get him back here and he will be worth more times that easily and I think if you just played week, week in week out the way he is now he'll be a fan favourite for many days to come absolutely I mean whatever we're paying for him it's worth it because you know you look at the, the money that's flying around you mentioned 5 million for Bristol yesterday there are plenty of teams spending that kind of money on players that we, we, we just don't have the resources to match but George Savile is, is an expensive player by mill standards but Jesus, he's he's worth it, Omer. Um, yesterday's performance was was excellent. Seven point nine out of ten for the uh, news at then <coughs> audience. Jed Wallace got, gets a six point four. Um, wasn't Jed's great this day? I thought he was a little bit self indulgent. Uh, there's one run in the second half. He wasted the an opportunity. It wasn't Jed at his absolute best yesterday, was it? Yeah, and I mean we rely heavily on the players in the wide area, especially Jed Wallace, to create something for us in the game and obviously get us going. Obviously, you get what you, from Jed Wallace. He's hard effort, working hard, trying to get down the line and put a few balls in the box. But that last bit of quality was just missing yesterday, I think. And I agree with you. The second half when he was playing down the left hand side, just it was begging to be squared across, but obviously he ran it a bit too far and lost the ball. But yeah, I think for Wallace's point of view, if bit flat compared to what we see from Wallace, but I mean, you still get a certain amount of level of commitment from him, which is what we can ask for. Oh, quality player. I mean, there was one run um, across the middle. He seemed to be on the ball for, uh, well, for at least four or five seconds too long. He's made a run across the middle. And I commented that it's a fantastic run. He is a quality turn. And again, as as with Savile, he's, he's, a, he's a higher level player than we've been used to in recent years. Um, Sean Williams continues to frustrate. He gets 6.4 on the... On the news at Den, it's probably about probably about right, I suppose, for me, Omar, yesterday, would you say? Yeah, like, like we touched on earlier, a bit kind of not like the 
the complete Sean Williams we would get from him on, on an ideal game from him. I think it would be interesting, like Ben Thompson waiting patiently. Patiently, I don't think he even made the bench yesterday. And like no, said, he didn't. It's, yeah. So it's going to be it's an interesting talking point. Like if obviously on Tuesday we're expecting changes when we go to Reading, and so it, who's going to come in from the midfield if one of them was injured, for example? I mean, it's it's quite interesting that like, the midfield kind of options Harry has got at the moment. <coughs> No, no, Thompson. I don't remember. Correct me if I'm wrong. Or listeners will certainly. I don't remember Romeo being on the bench either, Marlon. Um, no. So this is this is the squeeze, isn't it? This is this is the. We've got good young, promising players there, both of whom we've been expecting to. Well, they were starters uh, last season, but not even on the bench. Not even uh, in in with a sniff at this level. Such is the, such is the championship, I suppose. Um, Frustrating player for uh, I don't know how many times we've said this. Aidan O'Brien, he wasn't his best game yesterday. He was a little bit anonymous. Didn't really notice him very much yesterday. Yeah, and so you're kind of he was one of those games where you're, ho- you're hoping he just pops up with a goal and you're going, well, yeah. there you go. That's why Aidan's on the pitch, sort of thing. And I think that's what you're looking for from Aidan. Like you're not looking for him to kind of be the main outlet to create anything or like try and like be the one to get, grab the game by the scruff of the neck. You're just hoping he's in the right place at the right time to bury a chance. But yesterday, a bit flat compared to what we'd look for for Aidan, obviously. But it's, you can see why he's playing. But yeah, it was definitely a bit frustrating for him yesterday. Well, he's getting 5.6 on, which is so under the 6, uh, 6 out of 10 mark for Aiden. Um I suppose if he'd have scored a goal, Omer, then that 5.6 would have gone up to... A six point six seven because that's the kind of player is he. You know, some might call that a luxury player. I'm, I'm not sure um, we have room in a, uh, a high tempo midfield for <clears throat> a player that is you know that, that kind of um, comes and goes. But um, certainly he's a goal scorer, and I can't argue with that. Um, if he'd have got a goal yesterday, his, his rating would have been higher, almost certainly. Um, there we are, Aidan O'Brien. He'll, 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 you know, uh, we miss him when he's not there, and um, when he is there, we 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 curse him, don't we? Exactly. Um, up front, Lee Gregory. I didn't think Greg, uh, Greg did a lot of work off the ball. I commented in my live section, and I want to get your take, Omer. Um, he's putting a lot of physical work on in into this team. Um, I know he's there to score goals, but you can't fault the man's effort and work rate. He puts himself about a lot for me. Yeah, he's he's a crucial outlet, I think, especially when if you're playing against teams that like to keep the ball and obviously try and pass about. You're looking for your forwards to kind of obviously when the ball's played up, put the players, the defence under pressure and try and get hold of the game and win some free kicks. And you get that from Gregory week in, week out, and you, you not down his commitment to it, obviously. And I think just yesterday we didn't really create any chances for him to kind of get that chance. And there was a couple of times in the goal in, in the in the box, yeah. there was like a little bit of a scramble. When you're thinking. Come on, just, just squeeze through, please. Just squeeze, just squeeze through and get in the back of the net. But I think it's with Gregory, uh, you'd hope it's only a matter of time. Obviously, League One, he's proved that he can do it for us week in, week out and score goals. You're thinking championship now, you're not going to get as many chances a game. When they come, is he going to be the one that's going to take them consistently for us? But there it is. That's, it's, it's that, um, isn't it? Um, I, I'm the same. I'm sitting right behind a goal yesterday. And you, you just wanted that fraction. You know, it's not even a split second longer than he was going to get. You don't get that in in the championship, and he's going to have to find it. He's going to have to find something soon because I think his his position as a starter is under pressure from the big man from Tom Elliott. Um, I think the case not to start Elliott in the with the absence of goals. I mean, I know we've got f- uh, three on Tuesday night, um, but overall we're not scoring goals enough. The case to start the big man is going to become ever louder, isn't it? 
Yeah, this is you're looking for your forwards to step up and score, and Morris and Gregory both on zero goals at the moment, and you just have to think like, it's, when are they going to try and step up and like, when are they going to score the goals for us? And with Elliot coming on and scoring on Tuesday, there's certainly a lot of pressure on both of them at the moment. Lee Gregory gets six point three. Morrison, I didn't think it was Morrison's best game yesterday. I mean, he's been squeezed. I mean, the ball's been put towards him. Um, he's got two defenders, one behind him, one in front of him. It's a hard. Um, it's a hard job to to ask him. I think he's better employed, as in the old days. You're too young to remember Teddy in uh, sharing. I mean, outside, but Teddy made a career of pulling wide, not playing the, the obvious big man role. And I'm just wondering whether, with Elliot starting doing that um, hard grinding kind of attritional stuff, it might release Morrison to um, to do what he does best, which is get down the flanks and and, and pull wider. Yeah, and I think um, Morrison, he's just missing that little bit of yard of pace that he once had, you think. And it's like he when he's against a tall centre-half, he really has no chance of winning any headers. I think on Tuesday against Ipswich, against smaller centre-halves, he had a great game on Tuesday by all counts. And I think it's kind of, you kind of have to judge it based on who we're playing against. And I think with Baker and Wright at the back for Bristol City yesterday, both of them were winning headers for days and just making it easy, really. And when Elliot came on, it was a totally different ball game. So it does kind of think if it's Morrison and Elliot up front or if it's Gregory and Elliot up front, there's definitely a place for... Elliot's come in and we keep talking about it. <laughs> we, we do. And, and there's also Fred. Um, I mean, Fred for me is, is not a winger. He, 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 he does, he does best when he's, when he's in the penalty area and he's, you know, he's persistent on the ball. He'll, he'll give you a maximum effort and he's certainly got something. Um, I'm just not sure he's best played out, out wide. Um, so begs the question of an Elliot and on your dimmer front too, doesn't it? Yeah, and so I think if Fred obviously is, I think he's buying his time, but I think he will probably get the opportunities to impress. Obviously, Tuesday we've got the cup game, and I think with Fred, you're looking for him to make that impact from the bench, and he certainly does that when he's getting the ball. You can tell that the defenders are thinking twice about going in on attack on him because he's trying to take him on and go past them. But you are thinking if you're playing through the middle, are we going to get a different kind of return from Fred? Yeah. And also Shane Ferguson, <clears throat> he only had ten minutes. So I thought he did, he did okay. His, his crossing is uh, speaks for itself. Um, so yeah, overall um, strong away performance. A point point gained, I suppose you've got to say. Um, I thought it was probably a fair result in the end, nil nil. Um, I didn't feel short changed by the result in, at the end of the day, Omar. Yeah, I think like I said, we, we didn't quite create that clear cut opportunity to say we should have took all three points but at the same time if anyone's going to win that game state, I felt like it was going to be us but like I said I think a point on the board a clean sheet away from home lots of, lots of positives to take just hopefully we start scoring goals away from home as well last game next or last league game before an international break I think isn't it uh, home to to Norwich um, keep saying that they're all big games this, that's going to be a big game as well they bring a, a fair travelling support with them Norwich City um, and we, we really are looking for our first win of the season. We we really, I think it'll be a monkey off our back the moment we get it. Yeah, and I think it's going to be, obviously, like I said, good travelling. I think we'll be good atmosphere from our side as well. It's going to be a different test as well with Norwich. They've got that German kind of mentality at the moment with the new manager they've got in from Bruce Dortmund. Everyone's trying to copy it, obviously, that sort of kind of layout. So they'll be pressing us and trying to force us to make mistakes. So it'll be interesting to see how we cope because this is this is the, the, the game on, on Saturday's kind of something that I think we'd get every week on in the championship as well which we haven't so far and we've kind of proved and stood up to the test but Norwich will be a different kind of outlet and it'll be interesting to see how it goes absolutely so if you're listening and you're not doing anything Saturday get yourself down the den crying out loud get down the den <laughs> that's fantastic stuff I'm a traveling correspondent always good to talk to you mate really, as always really appreciate your Sunday morning taking time out and um, we'll catch you in the uh, after in September no doubt at some stage no problem. Thanks for your time. All the best, Omar. Thank you, mate. Cheers, pal. 
Achtung, Mehlball. Huge welcome on the show to a name from Millwall's past. Older listeners will remember Stephen Constantine, now Indian national team manager. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Nice to be on the show. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, um, firstly, good luck to all the um, the Millwall fans and obviously the team for the season. Thank you very much. Yes, I, I think we're going to need all the luck we, we've got. We've um, we've risen a level. Um, now, the last time that you were at the Den um, was possibly one of the most chaotic seasons I've ever known as a Millwall fan. Um, and I wanted to touch on that, but also you've got, a, um, we're just speaking off air, Stephen, and um, I think it's, it's, it's an exotic career you've got. It's, it's fascinating to read. I'm just looking at your Wikipedia page and, and, and you've been everywhere and, you know, you've, you've been to some, some places that most of us never dream of. Uh, and yeah, then, uh, not, not all exotic either. <laughs> Well, I suppose Millwall's an exotic location by some people's <laughs> definition. I don't know. Um, well, compared to some of the places, yeah. <laughs> now, now, you're a London lad. You're born in London. Um, and your family, I believe, if correct me, are from uh, the Greek part of Cyprus originally. You came to London. Um, and you got into football. Actually, fo- actually um, I was born in London. My mother's English. Okay. My father's so I didn't end up going to Cyprus until I was about eight years old. Right. Okay. Well. So, yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Um, okay. And you came to the Den via two two uh, locations that, again, are un- unusual, I suppose. Nepal, you're a ne- Nepalese team manager, and then you went on to India uh, for the first spell in, in the early 2000s. Um, I- I'm just curious, I mean, uh, how did you get into management and how did you get to go to such unusual locations as your starting point? It's it- It's an unusual route into the game, isn't it? Well, I mean, I don't know if that's a segue into the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're trying to shift Stephen's book, listeners. So <laughs> we're, we're trying to help him out here. So, yeah, it's a segue into the book. You've got um, a book well, out from, from, from Delhi to the Den. It's on Amazon. You can buy it on Amazon. We'll come back to that later. But uh, <laughs> get it in. Well, we, we, I mean, the, the reason I say that is because that that is a, um, a, a massive uh, question in terms of how, how did I get to Nepal? Um I was in Cyprus uh, coaching. I I, I did. Um, I, I started my career in the US. Um, yeah, I, I had trials at Millwall as a kid. Did you? Yes, yeah, so I, I right. played at the the proper old den, Coldblow Lane, uh, where they could reach through the railings and pull you back from the corner. <laughs> um, not not to mention the odd gob or two. Uh, so so um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I had trials there when I was a kid. Right. Um, I actually played for the uh, for the under 16s, I think it was against. Um, I was on the bench for Crystal Palace, right. um, and right. I played against. Uh, I played a half against Fulham. Wow! Uh, uh, as a goalkeeper, by the way. As a goalkeeper, because you, you you did you not progress to out the outfield play, or have I got that yeah, wrong? No, no. Um, I, I was playing Sunday Sunday football over Hackney Marshes, and one of our keepers broke his finger. They stuck me in goal six weeks and right. in that six weeks I must have done something right because I got a call to go down to Millwall for a trial as a goalkeeper wow yeah yeah um, okay and um, it was uh, I, I remember uh, down at the old den that after the, after we finished the game we there were four keepers and we had a half each um, <laughs> must have, I must have done all right because they told me to stay behind and um, they had 10 kids out who were also in the trial yeah. smashing shots at me um, and one of them was Don Massey Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think he had just signed his pro contract um, 
if, so, if I'm not mistaken, at that time, and he was there. Right. Uh, and um, I, I played the game against Fulham. I let in two, and basically, I wasn't good enough. <laughs> and that was that. Um, and that, that yeah. So but, they, 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 they let you go, basically. I, I, I guess it's a it's a tough world in that way, isn't it? Football. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we, as a, as a family, we moved um, in 1970 to uh, to Cyprus. Um, right. Uh, and then obviously there was the invasion in 74. Yes. Um, and I, I came back and, okay, you know, to, to make the story quite short, um, I ended up going to the States. Um, I, I played uh, a little bit over there. I guess you could call it professional. I had a contract and um, wow. I trained every day. Yeah. Um, but I snapped my ligament when I was 28. Wow. Um, but but I had always wanted to to, to, to do coaching. Um as as a, as a young 20 21 year old in Pennsylvania, um, they would make us go and do these uh, coaching sessions with these camps they used to have in the states back then. Yeah. Um, and we were we were mucking about with these seven eight year olds and getting them to pass the ball and to turn and you know um, using different um, different techniques to turn with the ball and dribbling and stuff like that. And I thought it was brilliant getting these kids to do do something that I thought was quite easy and, and fun. And um, yeah. uh, maybe that's subconsciously where I got the bug to, to coach. So, yeah. I mean, I read a, a piece just leading into our, our, our call today. Um, there's an old, old When Saturday Comes article, which they described as football's most qualified coach. Um, I'm guessing that this, this bug uh, and the desire to progress as a coach inspired you to take the, 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 the many different um, qualifications that are available, the FIFA qualifications, the whole range, I'm guessing. Well, you know, I think uh, you, you've got to stay current. You've got to keep up to date. Um, yeah. The game is, is is a moving game by nature. And I think um, educationally, we should always be trying to improve ourselves to get better. And, you know, I, I, I've done as many courses as I can that uh, I feel will, will help me improve the players. And I will continue to do that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I, I'm the highest <laughs> whatever that means but um it made a nice line in the article i thought i'd mention it just because it, it just stuck in my you know stuck in my mind as, as i saw it um so from the u.s to nepal Stephen, that's that's quite um that's quite a well, journey isn't it well it was it, it, it was um from the u.s to cyprus i went back to cyprus right. uh, i spent uh, seven years coaching there second division third division fourth division um and um uh, I had uh, I had a spell in the first division there at that point, and then th th there was um, I wasn't getting any I wasn't getting looking, mm. um, and I had through the English FA I had applied for um, a program that they were doing to help the um, the Asian Confederation. Yeah, and uh, that's how I got the Nepal job. So okay, uh, that must have been a culture shock for you to go to a place like that. It must it must be a very different. Um, I mean, football's football wherever you go, I know, but um, I would imagine that football in Nepal must be a, a different um, different ball game entirely, uh, for want of a better way to put it. Yeah, but, you know, they, they, they love their football in Nepal. Do they? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we actually... Um, there, there, there was one, one situation where, I, I have to tell you, it was my first day I had arrived. I, I left the States, went to England... Um, spent about six hours in in England yeah. with my wife and, and daughter, 
and then got on another plane to go to the other side of the world to Kathmandu. Kathmandu, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and um, my first day, uh, I, I, um, they wake me up at the crack of dawn, by the way, so I, I had about five hours sleep. <laughs> Um, coach, we have training. What? I've just got here. <laughs> no, no, but you have to come, Coach. <laughs> so they take me down to this uh, university, and I will call it a pitch. <laughs> Is this in the loosest sense of the term, Stephen? <laughs> as loose as it gets. Uh, there were no lines on the pitch. There were no nets. True, there were two goalposts in the middle of this field. It was monsoon season. Right, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. If you know what monsoon season means in Nepal, it means it was absolutely chucking it down. Right. Um, so conditions and, were heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was up to my ankles in mud, and there were about 35 of these uh, uh, Nepali players, all wearing different colour uniforms. Um, <laughs> and But no Millwall shirt, surprisingly. No, I don't think uh, we, we reached that far, sadly, but there we are. <laughs> And um, then the president of the association, he comes walking across the pitch in a cream-coloured suit. I kid not. <laughs> <laughs> how did he keep it? How did he keep the mud off of it? That's that's what's uh, fascinating. It sounds like a car park rather than a football pitch. <laughs> and, 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 no, no, there was grass on it. <laughs> <laughs> There's grass on it, right? There was grass on it. And, um, it, it was really cloudy, so there, there was this drizzle coming down now. We had these um, uh, dragonflies that were the size of your finger. Right. Um, and as thick as your finger. And they were like mini little miniature helicopters and they were buzzing around. And this, uh, the president, Mr. Ganesh Tata, is now in trying to introduce me to these, uh, <laughs> um, these, these 35, year, uh, 35 players. Um, uh, they could have been 35 years old, by the way. And um, I'm looking over their heads out towards the Himalayas and you can just about see the peaks and the cloudies. Wow. It was cloudy and I'm thinking, oh, my God, where am I? <laughs> uh, and, and it was two of the best years of my life. Fascinating stuff. And then two years there, and you cross those Himalayas and go to India as, as a yeah. national team coach um, for the first time. Um, India is, is a fascinating country in many respects. I mean, clearly cricket dominates the uh, the national psychology um, to an extent that I think is is sometimes hard for us in England to, to truly comprehend. Um, but there is a tradition of football there, Stephen, isn't there? It's more, more than we might imagine in, in the UK. Well, you know, Mohambagan and East Bengal are two of the oldest clubs in the world. Yeah. Um, the uh, um, Obviously, that tradition was started by us. Yeah, um, yeah. When we went over there uh, and, and we were in India for... for for 200 odd years basically yeah. several centuries yeah um so they they got both of those uh, bugs from us but um look the football has really kicked on in the last few years um obviously the national team doing really well is um under your management Stephen. under your management <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks for that um, we, we we really have uh, uh, um done very well and that includes everybody with me the staff have been absolutely fantastic but um it, it, it it's changing I, more people are, are starting to look at football now um and i i think um it's it's very very quickly catching cricket up so hopefully that changes
Well, I was going to ask you just briefly. I mean, obviously, the game in India doesn't get much coverage here, but um, doing a little bit of research, there is an Indian. Uh, it's like an I, an IPL for football, a Super League, I believe they're calling it there. Um, yeah. Do you see that as a means of the, for the game to really take off? Is it? Um, can it do for football what it's clearly done for cricket, and that's you know enliven it, electrify it in some respects. Um, money clearly is the is going to be the key to it, and and, and homegrown talent, I guess. Well, that, that, that's absolutely right. Uh, the Indian Super League is um, was up until recently a three-month league. Right. So what would happen is the I-League, which is the official uh, FIFA-recognized uh, league, yeah. would uh, uh, play and end, and then they would start the, the three-month league. Um, and uh, obviously that, that, that needed to change. Um, they had different set of rules, so it wasn't really considered a league. It was just a a, a three month tournament with uh, eight teams. Right. Um, this year, that that has changed. Um, it will start in November uh, and it will end the end of April. Um, so, and both of the leagues will run at the same time. Okay. So you, um, which is great for Indian players because that means more Indian players will be playing. Um, and the Indian Super League uh, had six players, six foreigners and five Indians. Now right. it will be six Indians and five foreigners. And the, the the plan is hopefully next year that they come together and there is one league with the, the, the permitted four maximum number of foreigners. Um, again, and that obviously helps the development for Indian players. But... Um, sure. Yes, in, in, in short, uh, the, the, the Indian Super League has really um, uh, raised the awareness for football in, uh, in India and all over the world. Um, the coverage has been spectacular. Um, it just needed to be less showy and more football. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that is, that is actually starting to, to happen. So um, I'm, if it can do half of what it did for the Indian Cricket League, uh, um, then it, it's going to be a very good thing. Well, India's described as a sleeping giant in football terms, and I agree with that. Um, I mean, you're clearly making progress, Stephen. As you know, in, in the you've you've come into the top 100 uh, nations in in the FIFA rankings. I think that some way down the list previously, and you've got um, is it, it? I've got three wins on the spin. Is it? There's how many wins on on the on the go now? You as on the, as a national team in a qualifying tournament? Uh, well, we've got two wins in, in qualifiers, but we are. Um, Eight wins in a row. Eight wins in a row. Internationally, um, we've won 13 out of the last 15. Fantastic. Well, I wish you well on that front, mate. Um, so we're going from um, success, but we're going to revert back now to the chaotic season, which was very far from success, <laughs> which there is a chapter in your book about your, your season at Millwall's first team coach. Um, yeah. And I remember this season like it was just yesterday. It's actually um, 11 years ago now, which is uh, how time flies. Um, the most chaotic season I've ever known at the Den. It must have seemed like, um, well, I mean, you've, you've been to some places already and then you've pitched into the, um, you know, the, the kind of madhouse that was that was uh, Zampa Road for 2005 and six. That it must have been a, quite a character-building experience, Stephen. It really was. Um, I, I can't tell you it was um, a dream come true. Yeah. Um it was a dream come true to be uh, uh, in England, back in England working. And uh, obviously 
Um, I've always had a soft spot for Millwall because of my uh, uh, um, my little spell there. I can yeah. say I played for Millwall for five minutes, but yeah. um, you know, so it really was um, it was horrific um, in, in in many ways. And um, I don't know. I mean, I it, it, for me it came about. I applied to be the manager. Um, I, I got a call from Jeff Bernergy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically said it's between you and Steve Claridge and I thought well that's that <laughs> um, and, and it was that <laughs> well you could, um, at least you escaped Steve's fate he was manager for one month only um, Stephen so um, you yeah, know no, it could have been worse mate couldn't it um, then, then Colin Lee stepped in and um, yeah um, I was uh, somebody rang me up from Milwaukee asking if I'd be interested in being the first team coach um, when I said yeah I would uh, they gave my CV to Colin Lee and I went up there I met him for about five hours at Bromley right um, it was I uh, we got pressed the North End on Saturday can't come in uh, um, watch from upstairs <coughs> and then um, bring, bring bring your bring your uh, um, your observations uh, on Monday um, and, we'll, and we'll go from there Um I mean, it was a chaotic season, Stephen. I mean, you know, obviously from the top downwards, uh, it was turmoil, chairman upon chairman, and um, you know, manager upon manager as, as the season went along. Um, you, you forget these things. I was just looking at the, um, you know, the, the, the season's records. There was over forty odd players used in in the in the squad over the course of that one season. You, you can you can never have success with that amount of turmoil going on around you, can you? It's it's almost um, so you know, it's, it's almost suicidal in that sense. Yeah, you're you're right, but you know what? I I still believe we shouldn't have gone down. Um, I still think we had the players there to 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 keep us up, and um, we we needed help up front. Yeah. Um, desperately, and we didn't we didn't get that. And in the transfer window, when we we had identified a couple of players, either it was um, not done, or by the time we got to it, um, the 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 boy had left and gone to another club. Or um, yeah. It, it, it was really, um, it was very sad, um, and, and it was very difficult as well. Obviously, um, uh, the atmosphere was not great. Um, that was within the club. Um, Must have been on, stressful on, on 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 yourself and 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 those that managed around you as well. I mean, it, you know, we we sit in the stands, and obviously we we're there uh, fortnightly or whatever the case may be. Um, and the fans have the right to express their opinion, but it must be a hard thing to listen to because I can well imagine the kinds of comments that would have rained down on, on, on the uh, on on the home bench as as these games got away from us. Do you know? Shall I, shall I tell you honestly? I I never had a bad word directed toward me. Um, You're lucky. I, <laughs> no, no, I, I mean that. Uh, um, pe- people people seem to appreciate that. Uh, I was trying to help as much as I can. I, I yeah. didn't make the decisions. No, uh, would no, I have done no. things differently? Absolutely. Um, but it's easy for me to say that in hindsight. Um, you know, that th- there are a lot of things that um, should not have happened that happened. And, and you know, it's, um, uh, it, it was really unfortunate that we, we ended up going down. It's interesting. I'm just looking at the, the the players over the course of the season, and you're right. There's some decent players in that team, there, Stephen. I mean, yeah. you know, look at David Livermore. Um, there's there's uh, Zach Whitbread, uh, Paul Robinson, yeah. fine Millwall servants. You know, uh, Marvin Elliott was a great midfield player. Marvin Williams, good a good striker. So it wasn't Barry, Barry, Barry Hales up there. Hales, a fine old pro. I mean, it it wasn't yeah. that we were short of ammunition. It was just almost the. Um, 
at times it seemed like the gods were against us. It was it was, it was a strange season. Um, and you're right, management sets the tone. But um, you know, it, it was the most frustrating season I think I've ever known in my life. There's there's a there's an I was just looking at the Amazon. Um, we mentioned a book again from Delhi to the Den, which is available on Amazon. For, and there's a chapter on that on that Mill season in there, Stephen. Um, there's one thing that intrigued me. There's there's a, there's a, a uh, you mentioned a, a chairman throwing ten thousand pounds on the um, on the yeah. on the dressing room floor. Can you can you um, elucidate on that in any way? <laughs> well, it, it was um, it was the cup game against Everton. Right. Yes. And, and um, this was the uh, I think he, Disavri Peter Disavri I think his name was. Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember him well. <laughs> Yeah, so 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 now you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I know that it's true. Um, he he was trying to motivate the players, and um, he came in and said uh, um, that he would um, uh, give us a bonus. Um, and uh, here it is. And he tipped the money out of a brown paper bag and onto the floor. And Dear the players okay. really just looked at it. And you know, some of them were on eight or nine grand a week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Ten grand divided by, I don't know, twenty twenty odd players. Um, <laughs> it wasn't really going to do it. Had it been a hundred thousand, it might. Might have impressed. It's still crass, isn't it? I mean, I, I can't believe it players was, are motivated by that. <clears throat> yeah, no, I don't think so. But but you know, um, I remember when we had the um, the uh, the league cup game against Birmingham. Yeah. Um. No, was it Birmingham? I was just looking. I'm just looking. Carling Cup. We got. Um, we we had uh, Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. Two all draw. Oh, yeah. That's that's right. And we we lost on penalties. Yeah. And um, if we'd have won that, we'd have been going to the Bahamas for 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 the weekend uh, on the chairman. <laughs> um, but but Barry Ells and um, and Big Ben missed the penalties, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Ben May. Yeah. 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 There we are. These are the characters. You you must have come across some characters in your time in the game, but that's 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 one angle. Um, so the chaotic season of Millwall comes and goes. Then you're on to places like Malawi, Sudan, and then back to back to Cyprus, um, and, and and then R- Rwanda. Um, yeah, yeah, that was. Um, and these must be experiences. I, I, mean, I, I can't even think of um, how I'd deal with um, traveling and working such places. It, it it must be both interesting and stressful at times. Yes, yeah, stressful. I, I don't know. I mean. Um, it is. It can be very stressful, but it's just it's 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 part of the job. I I'm in traveling now. I've been traveling for so long. I, I don't even know where my home is. Um, <laughs> it's cold blow lane, Steve. <laughs> no, I did go up to the game. I saw the uh, I, I I saw the um the, the lads play the other day against uh, Grenada. Oh, did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sort of friendly. Yeah. And it was weird. You know what? It was. Um, I took my first, my my first, my youngest daughter, who's twelve, who'd never been to a football game. Right. And I said to my wife, <laughs> "I'm taking the little one up to to Millwall." She went, "You?" <laughs> that really goes down well. It's never never the line to use, Steve. <laughs> I'm taking my young daughter to the den. It never works out, mate. <laughs> She's come back singing, "No one likes us, and we don't care." <laughs> you got more chance. I'm going to take my youngest to Rwanda. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Well, I mean, it's wonderful to know that the club makes such an impact because obviously we live in a bit of a bubble at the Den, and um, it's both our great strength and and, and sometimes it's our great weakness too. But it's always interesting to hear 
um, people that have, have come, you know, through the club to the club and how, how much of an impact it makes. It, it does have a certain something about it, doesn't it, Millwall Football Club? Well, it does. It was the first trial I ever had. Yeah. Okay. It was the first coaching job I ever had. Um, and, um, you know, it was, it was a bad year, but I had, um, the experience of a lifetime being there. Um, I, I, I'm still in touch with uh, with Livers. Yeah. Um, in, in fact, he's on the cover of the book. He is. I saw that. Yeah, it's a graphic on the front there. Yeah. And one of the reasons for me going to the game was to give him uh, a copy of the book, and I also gave uh, um, the gaffer Neil Harrison a, a copy as well. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, yeah, and you know what? I was standing outside the game uh, afterwards, and uh, three or four people. Uh, came up to me that you know they knew who I was from my from the old days yeah yeah um and that was really really it was really nice so um good good to go back that's fantastic Stephen it's it's wonderful to talk to you um please stay in touch please stay in touch um it's it's lovely to hear these old memories of 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 the club I want to wish yourself and and the Indian team well I I see you've got forthcoming games against these are world cup games I believe aren't they Uh, Mauritius Um, no the Mauritius and uh, oh, Tri-Nation um, series sorry I, I, yeah. yeah yeah that's that's um, a precursor to uh, the qualifier we have in Macau on uh, uh, September the 5th it's um, a big big game for us we are one step away from the Asian Cup which is the equivalent to the Euros so yep. uh, we get a good result there we got them again at home um, we, we could be qualified um, by November hopefully well, I want to wish you well. I know that um, it's always been your dream to um, come back to England and make it here, but it sounds like you're doing you're doing your own thing, and then sometimes that's 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 the cards that life deals us. And that I think it's a wonderful it's a wonderful CV. It's a wonderful looking book and a fantastic story. So, Stephen Constantine, thank you very much for coming on Acton Millwall. Thank you very much, uh, Nick. I appreciate it, and and good luck for the season. You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.